if you walk perfectly in love, you don't really need a lot of other laws, right? You don't need a law about how to treat your brother, how to treat your sister, whether to steal or whether to lie. You know, if you walk in love, you would never do any of those things. And so, you know, the Lord doesn't like to pile on that. Now, people like to pile on laws, right? They like to pile on different laws. Uh, but the Lord, you know, he keeps it pretty simple. As long as you walk in love, we're good, right? Now, if you don't walk in love, we'll deal with that particular circumstance. And, uh, you know, for me, that's, I tried to raise my kids that way. I try to run a church that way that, you know, we're not making a law. Of, okay, no one can ever do anything ever again, right? Nobody can ever use an ink pen in the church because somebody spilled ink on a chair, you know. Uh, only pencils from now on. Uh, there's, there's probably a law like that in some church, right? Because somebody, you know, leaked an ink pen out on a, you know, or no Sharpie pens, you know, whatever it is, right? People just come up with laws and, um, you know, you should deal with that. Uh, I remember years ago when I was running the sound. You know, I ran the sound for basically 20 years, three services a day. So 150, uh, uh, and, and so in 50 weeks, that's 150 services times uh, 20 years. That's 3,000 services. Uh, of course, you know, sometimes we're more, sometimes we're less, depending on if there are things going on. But definitely thousands of services, right? And uh, one time I uh, forgot to hit record on the service. <laughs> and so, uh, and, you know, it just so happens that that particular service was, you know, I mean, some, sometimes when you're preaching, you just have a real, you know, a real A game, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, you got you to shoot for, you know, a good solid A, you know, but sometimes it's an A plus, right? And so uh, that was just one of those services, just a great message, you know, and everybody excited, everyone was excited to get a copy of the message. And of course, sound man, you know, didn't hit record, right? And so they came back, you know, to the sound booth, you know, what do we need to do so this never happens again? Same thing I do every single service is, you know, I get everything set up and when the time starts, I hit record, you know. I mean, I've done this thousands of times and I made one mistake. What is going to, how is it going to change to, okay, you have this checklist and you make sure you go through this checklist every single time. I did have a checklist, and, you know, my mind that I had done hundreds and hundreds of times. It's just one of those things, right? So, yeah, you could make a law that from now on you, you check a box every time you do those things. You know, well, you could do that, but it's completely absurd and, un- and unnecessary. But carnal people love laws, right? They love more and more piles of laws. And so um, Jesus, you know, just walk in love, you know. Uh, and, and if you walk in love, it's pretty good, right? So anyway, um, but, uh, um, so I don't even know how we got off on all that there, right? So. Uh, but it's still good, right? So uh, let's not make a bunch of laws, right? Um, and so um, I think there's not really any, any uh, announcements for today. So um, everybody doing all right? So I know we already asked that there, but uh, uh, let's see. Um, why don't we go ahead and uh, pray and we'll get started tonight then. So Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for blessing us each and every day. Lord, we thank you for uh, your word and your spirit, Father. We thank you that uh, we as your children are required to have both of them to rightly divide your word. And Father, we cannot rightly divide your word just by the letter of the law and just, or just by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Father, we must have both of them. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things and we depend upon your spirit, Father, for revelation, insight, wisdom, and guidance. We give you the praise and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. We'll get started there today. And um, we're getting really close to the end of the, end of the book, right? And so 
If we get done with the uh, book of Ephesians in the next five minutes, we'll just go home early. How's that, right? Um, and so uh, we had been on this one verse here in verse 18 where it says, Praying always with all manner of prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And so we kind of took that long journey uh, into what it means with all prayer or all manner of prayer or all kinds of prayer. And so there's many different prayers. I think we looked at eight different kinds of prayers in the Bible and, you know, what kind of, you know, when you should use this kind of prayer, why you should use it, you know, any kind of limits to that particular prayer or what's it for, you know, and, and uh, how to how to be most effective with that type of prayer. And so it's, it's helpful to know those things. Uh, and he continues on uh, in the spirit. Uh, and, and this is an area that, um, that I think is important in the church that we learn how to yield to the spirit as we pray. So it, it's, you know, one aspect that is talking about praying in other tongues because uh, 1 Corinthians 14 talks about when you're praying in the spirit, the context is uh, it's always talking about praying in other tongues. But in this context, it's really a little bit, little bit more than that. It can be, it can include praying in other tongues, but it also um, uh, means to yield to the Spirit of God, to pray according to what He wants you to pray, to pray as effectively as He wants you to pray. So it's always helpful uh, as you pray to be sensitive to the Spirit. Uh, Lord, who do you want me to pray for? Lord, what do you want me to pray for them? Because sometimes you know what to pray for or you get an unction from the Spirit of God exactly what to pray for them. So I know, you know, we read... Romans chapter 8, this is the Spirit himself uh, help with our infirmities because we don't know, we don't always know how to pray as we ought to pray, right? So sometimes you don't know how to pray and so in those cases you can pray in, in other tongues because it, those are words that the Spirit gives you. But sometimes the Spirit of God will give you an unction to pray for somebody uh, and you know the words to, say, to pray. Lord, uh, I, I just sense I need to pray for safety for that person. Or, Lord, I need to pray for the healing of their body. Or, Lord, I need to pray, you know, something, some specific way uh, for that particular person. And unless you're, being, unless you're willing to yield to the Spirit, then you're going to pray down your list of prayers, right? I pray for mom, I pray for daddy, I pray for the dog, the cat, the house, you know, whatever. You pray your list of prayers. And there's nothing wrong with any of those, of course. Um, but uh, Paul is specifically encouraging the church, pray in the Spirit, right? Praying along with be, being yielded to the Spirit, being sensitive of the, the desires of the Spirit of God, because He's God's, uh, uh, He is God's presence on the earth, uh, and so whatever the Lord, the Father, God wants done, the Spirit of God will know that, and and He needs people to do that. He has assigned the authority in the earth to the church, and so if He's assigned the authority uh, in the earth to the church, then he needs the church to do things. And so he's not going to usurp that authority and say, just get out of the way, let me do it. He's going to work through the church. Uh, you know, some people, even if they're bosses, they still do their people's work. You ever had a boss that was a micromanager? Uh, no, don't do it that way. Uh, do it this way. No, don't do it that way. Do it this way. And they're the worst because they're doing their job and your job. So why am I here? If, I, if you're going to do my job for me, why, why did you hire me, right? But some people, they... Because of fear and, and, you know, low self-esteem, there's a lot of reasons why there are micromanagers. You know, they don't trust anybody and, um, you know, whatever. They, nobody can be as good as them, you know, that sort of thing. And um, the Lord's not a micromanager. He's given the church the authority and said, now go do this. Well, what if they don't do it? He'll wait a thousand years to find somebody that will. 
you know, and, and he, he, uh, you wonder why it's taken Jesus so long to come back. It's, it's not on him. I can guarantee you it's not on him. You know, it's, uh, if the church had fully done everything that he instructed him to do in Acts 1-8 and Acts 8-1, then uh, I think he'd done be here by now, right? And so uh, we've got off for hundreds of years playing church. And um, if you look at the history of the church, you know, as far as church leadership goes, right? Because in the church, in, in the church universal, there are always people in every generation that loves God and will do anything for him. Uh, but the direction of church tends to go in the same direction as the leadership. And if you look at the leadership of the church, you know, it wasn't very long after the first century or so that the church just got, you know, sidetracked and got into a bunch of uh, humanistic things. And, you know, uh, and then you went to the Renaissance and Dark Ages, you know, all of those, you know, years from, you know, probably for centuries where the church was just all about power and position and titles and money uh, and, and not actually advancing the kingdom of God in any appreciable way. And if you look how long it took the Lord to get even speaking in other tongues back into the church in a major way, I mean, that just happened in the last century, right? So it was 1900 years, you know, after Jesus was born that it took the Lord to get you know, the speaking in tongues in the church in the modern era, in the modern era, right? So, uh, you know, as a whole, the church had not been doing that. Uh, my guess is every century has seen people somewhere on the earth that have been speaking in other tongues. But as far as the church leadership and the direction of the church, you know, of course, even now, Pentecostal, Pentecostal people are a minority in the church. And yet God's perfect will is every single Christian in the earth to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, speak with other tongues. That's the will of God. That was the will of God from, I mean, before the church was formed. Remember, Jesus said, don't go anywhere until what? You're endued with power, right? Don't go witness. Don't go preach. Don't do anything until you speak with other tongues. So who, who established that? The head of the church, right? The one who's supposed to be running Everything that we say that we're doing, he established that de desire. He established not really desire. It's a commandment. But he established that. Yet even today, nearly 2,000 years since Jesus spoke those words, how many percentage-wise in the church? I, I don't do that. That's not for me. You know, that's for the crazy, wild people, right? I mean, it's, it's you know, I don't know what percentage of the whole church, the Pentecostal church is, but... You know, maybe we're 10%. I don't know, you know, but uh, we're not 50%. I can guarantee that. So that, so let's just, let's just be generous and say it's 20%. That means 80% of the church is outside the perfect will of God as far as what he wants them to do outside the perfect will of God, what he as the head of the church designed the church to do. Uh, and you've got every, every, every reason in the world why they don't, right? But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the reason is. The head of the church said, I want you to do it. And you say you don't want to do it or not going to do it or refuse to do it. Well, that's direct rebellion. So if you've got 80% of the church in rebellion, how, how much of a drag is that on God's will being accomplished in the earth? Because uh, he said that uh, uh, now these Christians were, they were Christians when Jesus said that. He said, until you are endued with power. So that means that the non-spirit-filled Christians are not endued with power. They have the Holy Ghost. They have the, the eternal salvation set. They will go to heaven, no doubt. But they are not endued with power. So the power of God is rests upon the church to defeat the works of the enemy. And if, we, and if we have chosen to not do that, 
then how much of the enemy's works are we defeating? Pretty limited, right? As a whole, right? I don't mean any particular one church or anything. And of course, we don't have the corner uh, on the market of, of spirituality. There's plenty of Pentecostal churches around the world. But you know, I was just thinking about this just the other day about, um, uh, about why so many Christians struggle, right? About uh, why do they not have the fullness of the blessings of God operating in their life? You know, why don't they have maybe all the healing they want or all the prosperity they want or all the joy they want or all whatever it is that they want or they're lacking? Why is it that many Christians will, will go for decades in a, in a position that's limited in their life, right? Where they're not as happy or productive or, or, or whatever the particular measurement that you're thinking about. Uh, and, and, you know, it goes back to uh, how much do you, first of all, look like the Lord Jesus, but also how much do you desire to look like the Lord Jesus? You know, a lot of Christians are pretty satisfied with, you know, that church stuff. It's okay for some people, but, you know, I, I go... You know, I go every Christmas and Easter, you know, just like clockwork, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm good with that. Well, that's fine, right? I mean, we're not going to judge you for uh, when you come here, right? And I, I always encourage all of you all, when you see somebody that has been in church a while, don't go up to them and say, where you been? Because that puts them in a defensive stance, right? That puts them in a position of, of defending, you know, why they're backslidden or why they just, you know, think they don't have to go to church and do what Jesus said. I mean, and, and it may be true that they're backslidden or it may be true that they're, you know, just being in rebellion, but... You know, it'd be best to just love on them. Say, man, I'm glad you're here, right? Isn't that better to, to love on them? I'm glad you're here. Because you don't, you don't you want them to feel welcome because this is where they should be, right? Uh, in church, as opposed to, you know, I ain't going to church because they make me feel bad every time I go. So, and you all do a great job about that. I think you all are very welcoming to people that come here. Uh, and so, but uh, if we choose... Uh, and so I'm not talking about like baby Christians that, you know, still trying to figure out sanctification, trying to figure out how to live for the Lord. But if we choose to just, you know, I just I, I don't ever really repent. You know, I hadn't repented in years, you know, um, you know, I don't really, you know, walk in love. You know, I mean, I walk in love most people. But, you know, I mean, Gertrude over there, I haven't walked in love with her for years. I mean, have you seen her? She's a mess. Right. I mean, she's an awful person. You know, I'm not going to walk in love towards her. Uh, you know, but in that decision, then you've limited God's ability you've limited God because he can only go as far as you allow him to go and if he says well I need you to repent well Lord I'm not repenting because I mean you know they started it you know and whatever the reason why you don't want to repent is uh, you know I, I didn't start this you know um, uh, then uh, that's fine right I mean we all get to make our own decisions but in that area then now you have limited God's ability to operate in your life uh, and you know when I look back at, uh, at folks like Brother Hagan and you know, Brother Hagin was such an inspiration to me because he walked in love uh, more than uh, anybody that I really know of, you know, as far as, um, you know, all the stories that he tells and how people treated him. You know, uh, one time he was he went to go minister for somebody at their church. And, um, uh, you know, uh, so he and his wife were traveling. They were staying. And back then it was common to stay in the pastor's house. Right. So. Nowadays, it'd be kind of odd, you know, unless you're really close friends with that with that person. And, you know, of course, I got nothing wrong with that. But, uh, you know, the protocol to nowadays pretty much is you go to a hotel, right? And, and they put you up in a hotel. And for us, you know, we always put them at the nicest hotel we can find. We get the best room we can find, right? So it's not just a, you know, we don't get to skim up. You, you got any cots, right? You got any, you know, just a, you know, uh, uh, running water's fine. But, you know, just uh, we don't need hot water. You know, can we get a break if we just have cold water, right? We don't 
you know, we try to find the best room, you know, and of course, you know, in, in our city, we're a little limited, uh, but we still get them the best room we can because it's not, I mean, the, from an expense standpoint, it's not much more money for the best room than the, than the cheapest room, right? I mean, you can get the Fleabag Motel pretty cheap, right? But, um, uh, and so, uh, but he stayed, he stayed at the pastor's house, so they get up the first morning, you know, to go greet the pastor and his wife, and well, they're already gone. And I thought, well, maybe they went to go get breakfast, right? No, they, they didn't show up again all day. They were gone all day. Uh, showed up just in time to pick them up to go to the service, right? And, um, and of course, so Brother Hagen and Aretha hadn't eaten all day, right? Because, I mean, you don't just go you know, through the coverage and start, you know, <laughs> I'll take one of these and one of those, right? And there were sort of no delivery services back then. And, and so, you know, they said, well, you know, maybe something came up, right? Maybe a death in the family or an explosion or, you know, terrorist attack or something, you know. They never said anything. And so they figured, well, I guess they're probably planning on taking us out to eat after, uh, after the service, right? Because sometimes you do that, right? You, you do the service and then you go out to eat afterwards and just fellowship. And nope, they brought him back home and, and the, the pastor's wife went straight to bed. Didn't say anything, just straight to bed, right? Didn't say, hey, how you doing? Hey, there's food over there. Just straight to bed, you know? Uh, and so they get up the next morning, rinse and repeat. Pastor wife, nowhere to be seen, you know? Gone all day, come back, pick them up, you know, for the service. They do the service, come back, go straight to bed. Well, now it's the third day, and, and so, you know, they're like, well, we've got to eat something, you know? They, I mean, you can fast if you're planning on it, but if you're not planning on fasting, you're hungry, you know? And, and everything looks like food after about the third day, and... And so they start, they go through the cupboards, start rummaging through the cupboards. And I think they found one hot dog and, you know, uh, uh, you know, a can of beanie weenies or something. And, uh, and so they ate that. And, and, and so now they're talking, right? Brother Hagen and Aretha are talking, you know, well, I can't believe they're treating us that way. Ah, I know they shouldn't be treating us this way. And, and um, this was in a denomination. So these denominations had, uh, they had like superintendents, you know, someone over that area of churches. And, uh, and so Brother Hagen knew the superintendent said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go call him. What kind of pastor you got down here, you know, treating us this way? And so it goes back then, the, the, you had the phone. It was in the hallway on a table, right? You remember those days, right? It, it wasn't, you didn't have a phone in your room. I mean, wow, you sure didn't have a phone in your pocket, you know? You sure didn't have a smartphone in your pocket either, right? Uh, you had one phone, and it was a rotary dial. And you were always thankful for friends who didn't have nines in their, in their numbers, right? It was nine, right? All the way back down. And so... There were no push buttons or anything like that. So, so he left and then came back a few minutes later and, and Mr. Aretha said, what did he say? He said, you know, I couldn't do it. He said, I, I could not be part of his failure because he could have called the superintendent. The superintendent could have fired him or moved him out of there and got somebody else to be in that church and caused grief and just, you know, sat him down from being a pastor or whatever. Uh, but see, uh, in his heart, he couldn't do that. He could not be the part of this man's failure. So they just, they just put up with it, you know, uh, and did the best they could, eat, eat whatever they could find, uh, and, and didn't leave, right? Didn't just say, well, I'm out of here, right? I'm not, I'm not going to be treated this way. And people always looked at Brother Hagen like he had character flaws, and, well, you just, you know, you know, you're an easy mark, right? Easy for people to take advantage of you. And he didn't see that that way at all. He saw that, you know, the love of God in him would not allow him to cause somebody else to fail. Now, that doesn't mean that's the right answer every single time. But in that case, that was the right. If the love of God won't let you do it, then what do you do? Then you don't do it. Well, they're taking advantage. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, see, that's where, 
That's where I always thought uh, Brother Hagen could teach so many people things because for him, it doesn't matter what the other person was doing. What matters is being in the Spirit, right? What matters is following the will of God. What matters is following the love of God. That's more important than what people are doing to him, what people are saying about him. And, and even now, if you go read on the Internet about Brother Hagen, you'll find the worst, I mean, the worst, absolute worst things said about him. You know, he was a false prophet and he was of the devil. And I mean, just like kicking a baby seal right because he never hurt anybody you know he uh, he just had he just had the way about him that you know nobody was ever harmed under his ministry a lot of ministries uh when they when they end come to an end people come out and and, they, and you find out all these horror stories about how they treated people and you know they were like kings and treated everybody like serfs like servants you know and there were no stories like that after brother hagen passed none right he was always a gentleman he was always kind to people he was always respectful to people uh and so so the question for us is, um, you know, how much of God do we want? How much of, of the blessings of God do you want? Uh, and what you'll find is if you want to live in the fullness of the blessings of God, uh, the most painful thing you will ever do is deal with yourself on a regular basis. If the Lord says you go repent, then you repent. If the Lord shows you that you're wrong, you say, yes, sir. Uh, and of course, the more you do that, the more he shows you, right? So it's kind of a catch-22 almost, but... Um, but if you'll do that, what you'll find is the, the presence of God, you know, the, 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 the spirit of God where he says supplication in the spirit. What you'll find is your ability to get into the spirit and sense the presence of God is significantly increased in your life. The more that you want God the, and the more that you're willing to yield to God, the more that he will meet up with you. Right. And so what happens to a lot of Christians, they find kind of a happy medium. You know, I like God this much right here. Not this much. That'd be kind of, you know, fanatical. But, you know, this right here is pretty good, right? Pretty good middle ground, you know. You know, we're, we're, we're just, you know, Sunday-only church, you know. But maybe, you know, if we're really feeling spiritual, we'll come all the way to Wednesday night, right? But, you know, the three days a week, that'd be way too much. We can't do that. That's, that's out of control. Who does stuff like that, right? Uh, and, and, you know, you do whatever you need to do. I'm, I'm not trying to fuss at anybody. But um, uh, the question for all of us is, how much of God do we really want? When he says praying in the spirit, you know, you can only pray in the spirit when the spirit wants you to pray, right? When he wants to use you to pray, when he wants to uh, use you as a vessel to pray, right? Uh, and so just real quick, we're in Ephesians. I'm going to see if I can find this verse here. It's in, I think it's in, I think it's in 1 Timothy. We'll see. It's either in 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy. We'll find out where it's at. Uh, it's in Second Timothy. Yeah, it's in Second Timothy, right? So Second Timothy, um, and he says, uh, he, let's start here in verse uh, chapter two, verse fifteen. He says, "Study uh, to show thyself approved unto God." So, is it okay to study? You know, I can't understand the Bible. I've had people tell me I don't read the Bible because I can't understand it. Well, then God would be unjust to tell you to study something that you were incapable of understanding, right? Are you, are you capable of understanding the word of God? You are because he says right there, study to show yourself approved unto God. So if you're not studying, and I don't mean, you know, burning midnight oil every single night, you know, I've got a copy of, of Dake's Bible from Finnis Dake, and, and he estimated that he spent 100,000 hours writing that particular commentary, right? So it's basically a commentary in every verse of the Bible. 100,000 hours. Uh, that, that's a lot, right? That's, there's uh, 31,000 verses in the Bible, so that means he spent 
three hours per every single verse in the Bible. That's a lot of work, right? I mean, you know, and I'm sure it wasn't exactly three hours per every verse, but on average, that's about what he spent, three hours per verse of every verse in the Bible, every single one, right? And you know how many verses are so-and-so begat so-and-so? I mean, it'd be tough to spend three hours on that right there, right? I mean, who is this guy? That's all you know about him. Just he begat somebody, right? Uh, and so I'm sure there was more time spent on other verses than that one. But, uh, but he said, study to show this helpful proof unto God. So, you know, I mean, a reasonable way for Christians to study is just read your, read, read your Bible. You know, I mean, we watch uh, 87 hours of TV every week, right? And we, we uh, watch 100 hours of YouTube videos and we listen to uh, 14 hours of podcasts every day. Uh, can we not read his word on occasion, right? Uh, and so, again, not trying to beat anybody up, but, you know, that's what the word says, so uh, we should find out what that means for you, right? What does that mean uh, for you in your life? And so, of course, you know, uh, you know, I've always been called to be in the ministry, called to be a, a teacher. And, uh, you know, I was 15 years old, got born again. And, you know, by the time I'm 16, 17 years old, I had a copy of Vine's Concordance, you know, Nave's Topical Bible, a Strong's con- uh, Concordance, um, I had um, a Greek interlinear Bible and, you know, I had a whole library of books and I just kind of thought, well, that's just what you do, right? You're a Christian, you've got to read what the Word says. And, but, you know, everybody's not that way and everybody doesn't have to be that way. It's just the way God made me. Uh, but he said, if you'll do that, the, the, you, you will become a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, uh, People that wrongly divide the word of truth are often ashamed, right? And that's the context of what he's talking about. And Brother Hagin used to tell a story of this fellow that, uh, you know, he didn't, even though he was a minister, he just didn't read his Bible much. You know, he's talking about how, how, how sad it was that Paul and his wife Silas are in jail and their son Timothy are, are out, is out running around without his parents, you know, uh, because he, Paul said, my son Timothy, right? And so he just assumed that he was his physical son, not his spiritual son, and that Silas had to be his wife because, you know, Silas kind of sounds like a girl's name, I guess. You know, it's not really, it was a guy, but, you know, kind of sounds like a girl's name, I guess. And, and so, you know, that's somebody who's not rightly dividing the word, right? Just, you know, uh, maybe you should ask somebody about that. But, uh, but shun profane and vain babblings. Uh, uh, and you ever hear people just argue about the, the, the least important thing in the Bible that you could find? I mean, argue about, you know... Well, I think, you know, whatever, 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 you know, I think, you know, the 12 tribes were really this, you know, and, uh, and, and I mean, just, and you're thinking, what, what, why are you arguing about something that just doesn't matter at, to a hill of beans, right? But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, uh, and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom Hymenaeus and uh, Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already. I mean, you want to get a fight going, just ask people when they think the resurrection is going to occur, right? Uh, is, there, is there a rapture, right? Oh, the rapture's already occurred. Really? You know, wow. Uh, oh, we're going to have to go through the tribulation. Is that right? Oh, I hear people, it's so funny because I hear people, I, well, I've studied it. I've studied it, you know, and, and I know because I have studied, you know, the rapture will occur on Thursday. Guaranteed, I've studied it. Yeah, I mean, and, and they'll be just like, you know, this is, this is gospel. This came from heaven. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, I'm thinking on something that, that we don't even know for sure all the details about it. You know, I mean, I feel pretty confident. I know generally speaking what's going to happen. You know, the rapture has to occur and then the tribulation occurs. 
because of every president in the Bible always shows that the church has to leave before bad things can happen, right? Lot had to leave, Noah had to leave, uh, people got to leave before bad things can happen, right? Uh, and so, um, seems like before bad thing, the final bad thing of all bad things can happen, it seemed like we would have to be gone, right? Because we are the carriers of the grace of God and his mercy. It seemed like we would have to be gone. And, and I mean, that's just kind of sitting around logic there, but it makes sense to me, right? We, we can go through all the Bible for it. But they've erred. They, treat, they have erred in the truth, saying the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. So, you know, it's not just, oh, well, you know, they just don't really know what they're doing. Sometimes people's uh, lack of real studying causes other people's faith to be harmed, right? Uh, and, and, um, uh, and, and I've seen people just, you know, anybody who believes in healing is other devil. I mean, just adamant, like strong like that, right? And, and so how many people are following that person and dying of sickness because, oh yeah, you're right, you know, all those faith healers, you know, they're all of the devil, right? All they want is your money, right? Every faith healer ought to be shot. Uh, and, and, um, uh, and so how many of those people's faith has been overturned because this guy over here is really loud, right? And this guy over here is misleading people. Uh, and he said, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Uh, that's what I like about it. You know, it doesn't matter. All these people are wrong. God's still God. He's still on the throne. Uh, and his truth will still prevail, right? Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, uh, there, are on, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. So, some people will say that God has intentionally made certain people in a church to be dishonorable. You know, in other words, not very pretty or not very likable or not very anything, you know, whatever measurement you want to put on it. Well, you know, that just God just, you know, some people just aren't going to be honorable. But that's not what it says. The, the Bible says if you purge yourself, you will become a vessel unto honor. So the, the part of being uh, dishonorable is not on God's side. It's not God's choice, Right. Well, you know, ha, you know, I'm just one of those dishonorable people that God made. You know, God just made me this way to be dishonorable. Uh, no, uh, it says if you purge yourself from these things. Well, what are these things? Not studying, not, pro, not shunning profane and vain babblings, not misleading people about the truth. Um, uh, it, it, see, if you'll purge yourself from those things, then what did he say? Then he shall be a vessel unto honor. And, and this verse means a lot to me. I just, I, in fact, I've got it underlined in my Bible here. Uh, and I've got the word purge himself in a box in my notes right here, right here. See, right in my Bible, you know, you probably can't zoom on it, but right here, I've got it uh, marked. Because what's important in that verse? Two most important words in that verse, purge himself, right? Is God going to purge you? Nope. Is God going to make you? Nope. Who's going to do it? You will. But that's good news. I think it's good news because uh, who's the best one to purge you? Well, you would be, right? Uh, and so uh, the Bible says, if you'll do that. See, if you're willing. So purging means to remove things out of you, right, that doesn't belong, that shouldn't be there. So as a child of God, we all have things that ought not be there, right? Attitudes, thoughts, actions, words, you know, whatever they are. Associations, who you hang out with, right? Who your friends are. Uh, what you read, what you watch, you know, whatever those things are, uh, there, are all, there, there are things in probably every Christian's life that needs to be removed, needs to be purged. Uh, and, now, you know, they may not be giant things. It may just be like, you know, I, I should get, you know, I need to sit on the front row 
every time, right? And some people are that way. You know, if they walk in, they don't get the front row, they get mad and leave, right? Well, that should be purged out of them, amen? Uh, and, uh, you know, Brother Randy's always very gracious to me and Chris. We always get great seats when we go to his services. But we always walk in with, you know, where's the back row? Every single time. We're, we'll, sit, right, you know, we'll sit in the back row, right? Because apparently back row is very spiritual, right? I know spiritual, spiritual people sit in the back rows, right? So it must be a good place to sit, right? Uh, and so nobody owes me anything. Uh, but see, uh, uh, I just refuse to, I mean, I can't imagine being that way, right? I can't, I mean, just the thoughts of me walking in going, where is my seat, you know? Uh, I mean, you know, just I, just, I just can't even imagine being that way. But, you know, what other things that I do that God himself would be like, I can't even imagine doing that right there that I'm doing, right? So no doubt there's plenty of things to purge. So he, here's the deal, though, is if, uh, if you don't look exactly like the Lord Jesus right this very second, right? Talk like him, act like him, walk on water like he does, then there is purging to be done in your life. If you want to be able to walk in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, if you really want that. Now, if you're satisfied with just, you know, I like it when, when I get all the gooey bumps at church, you know, and got great praise and worship, and you know, I feel God, and it's all uh, wonderful, and, and then that's it. If you're satisfied with that, then, you know, then that's as far as God will be satisfied and getting you to where you want to be. But if you're not satisfied with that, if you're not satisfied with just a little gooey bumps on Sunday morning, uh, and you'd prefer to, to know what it's like to live in the Spirit every day, then I can guarantee you this, this verse right here will become a very important verse in your life. Amen? Uh, and, and whatever the cost, now that's the question, right? What are you willing to give up? See, Jesus was willing to give up everything to be our sacrifice, right? What did he give up? He made himself of what? No reputation, right? Uh, I mean, he was the king of kings, the Lord of lords. You know, he was that before he was, you know, bef- bef- before the Bible says he's that way now, but he was that way before the Bible said that he was. He was, he was God, right? Living in glory in, in, the, uh, in the holiest of holies, in the presence of, of God the Father for all eternity had been that way. And one day he said, you know, the cost to deliver my people and redeem them from everything is worth the effort, right? It's worth the effort to do that. So for us, we have to decide, you know, is it worth the effort to purge ourselves? If we want to, you know, because Paul said, pray in the spirit, right? And again, it's not, it doesn't just mean praying in tongues. It means praying by the leading and the unction of the spirit of God as he leads you and guides you in prayer. Uh, and that can only be done in the spirit, right? When you, when you sense the spirit of God's leading, but the Spirit of God generally, you know, if you're all the time, you, you know, leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone, then, then see, what, what's the rest of that verse say? That if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use. And see, that's the key right there, meet or useful for the master's use. So when God is looking around, remember we talked about in Ezekiel how he was looking for a man to pray, right? And how many did he find? He found none. So uh, why? Because he could find none that were useful for him to use, right? Uh, there were a lot of people on the earth. It wasn't like there was a plague and, and everybody was dead. There were plenty of people on the earth, plenty of people of God's covenant on the earth. But he looked around the whole earth to find a single one that, that he could use the way that he needed them to be used. 
and I mean, he couldn't find any. You think about that. I mean, you just think, not, really, not one? Are you serious? Not even one? You know, uh, not the way that I needed them to be used. Not the way that I desired them to be used in this moment for this purpose. Nobody was qualified. Uh, and you remember that in, in the, the book of Revelation, when they brought the book out, right? The book with the seven seals and, you know, who's worthy to, to open it, right? And, and the Bible says that and John started weeping because nobody was found worthy to open up the book because the book had to be opened uh, because that's the, that's the beginning of all of the wrath being poured on the earth to purge all of a sin in the world, right? So that's the beginning of the end, basically, when those seals start getting broken and, and John was weeping because nobody was found worthy. Nobody in heaven, all right? I mean, this was not like in the backwoods uh, of the earth. This was in heaven. Nobody was found worthy even in heaven. And then they said, uh, then the angel said, the Lamb has, a, has, has come, right? The Lamb of God has come and He's worthy. Uh, and so, uh, so you know, the Lord is looking for vessels to be used for the Master's honor. Vessels of honor, right? Vessels that will honor His Spirit, honor His Word, honor His presence. Uh, and uh, if, if uh, we want to live in the Spirit, if we want to live in these things, then, then this verse is, I mean, this verse should be a, a one of your best friend verses, right? You know, there's some verses just really mean a lot. Uh, and this one has always meant a lot to me. Not that I have fully mastered this verse at all, uh, no doubt, but, uh, but I want to be used of the master, don't you? I want the master, when the, the Lord himself, when he needs somebody, you know, I want to go, man, I can't find anybody. You know, I want him when, when he says, you know, I need somebody to do this. You know, who's good? You know, I remember that pastor... In that little town of Dayton, Tennessee, you know, I think he'd be perfect for this job right here. Now, that's the, don't you want the Lord to think that about you too, right? You know, I've got this job to speak to that person right over there, and I've got just the vessel that I know when I tell them to go speak to that, they'll say exactly what I need them to say. Nothing more, nothing less. Just say, say what I need them to say, and just go on, and, and they're, the, they're the perfect person for that job. And see, uh, Paul told Timothy that, if we'll purge ourselves from these things that we can be useful for the master's use and prepared unto every good work, right? Prepared. So before the good work arrives that you need to do, you're already prepared to do it, right? And, and this verse goes right along. Uh, turn over to Ephesians. Well, we were in Ephesians, right? But turn over to Ephesians chapter 2 because uh, these two verses really go together. So if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, it says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So before we ever took a breath on the earth, the Lord already had it in his heart, all the things he desires for you to do in this earth. I'm going to have him talk to this person. I'm going to have him lay hands on that person. I'm going to have him preach over there. I'm going to have him talk to this person. I'm going to have him help out this person over here. It's already, you know, set in heaven. Now, how does he know all that? But that's what makes him God, right? Uh, and so, but notice how he writes this verse here. He says that, uh, that we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works or for the purpose of doing good works. That doesn't mean we're going to do them, right? How many people are outside the church? Every uh, person who is not born again, God has already ordained good works that they should do. Already, right now. Every heathen, every murderer, every, every you know, drug dealer, the Lord's already got good works that they are supposed to be doing. And now they're obviously behind, right? Uh, and so, uh, and he said, 
that they were before ordained that we should walk in them. So that's the plan, right? That's the, and of course, Ephesians chapter 2 is on the first half of the chapter, the first half of the book. And we know that that first half of the book is talking about all the things that belong to us kind of from a spiritual standpoint, right? They don't belong to us yet uh, in the natural realm. Uh, that's the last half of the book. So these are all talking about things that, you know, belong to you as your position as a child of God. So this is one of them. But then we, then we take that verse uh, and go back over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And so now it says that we can be prepared unto every good work. So now we're ready, right? So we've, we've gone through salvation, right? So verse 10 applies really to every human being on the earth, right? Not just uh, the church now, the created in Christ Jesus part, that's the church, right? But the part where it says unto good works, the Lord has already ordained good works for every human being on the earth. He's already got good works that they are assigned to do in their life. Uh, and in order to do those things, then Second Timothy chapter 2 says, you need to prepare yourself, right? That we need to be prepared to do those good works. And really that's just, uh, preparing is not like doing push-ups and being able to quote, you know, the entire Bible and, you know, studying and, and being able to speak Greek and Hebrew. You know, I mean, that's part of your good works, maybe, I suppose. But, you know, generally good works is what he talks about. Preparing is what he says at the beginning of the verse. By purging yourself, Right? Because you're already born again. You already have the Spirit of God in you, right? You already have the Holy Ghost in you. He's already caused you to be reborn. He already lives on the inside of you. And if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're already filled with the Holy Spirit. So really what he's wanting you to do is just get things out of the way. You get the flesh out of the way. Get the attitudes out of the way. Get the thoughts out of the way. Just get the things that are a hindrance to him flowing through you the way he already desires to do, right? Because already does, he desires to do that right now for every single person, right? Uh, every person in this room. There are things that God desires you to do. Uh, you know, well, you know, I'm older now. You know, it doesn't matter. Are you breathing air? Then there's, I can guarantee you there are things God wants you to do uh, before, you, before you leave and go home. Amen? Uh, because he's that kind of God. Uh, and so, you know, don't ever sell, you, sell yourself short, you know, that, oh, you know, God can never use somebody like me. It says right there that you can prepare, you can, you, you can be prepared unto every good work. Uh, and God has already ordained your good works, amen? So I like those two verses, you know, they put them together and that they, they, they've meant a lot to me uh, because I, I, don't you want to do that? You know, I want to do that. I want to be prepared by purging myself of anything that's a hindrance to God moving in my life, you know? Uh, and, and um, you know, is there anybody in my heart that I think, you know, they're my enemy, right? That person right there just, you know, never again, you know? It doesn't mean you have to like being around people or whatever, but, you know, you got to make sure that when you think of certain people's names, right, that that little man on the inside doesn't rise up and start twisting your belly, right? And say, oh, yeah, just every time I think of them, all your ulcers, you know, flare up, right? Well, you probably got some work to do in that area, then, don't you, right? Uh, I always tell it's a good growth opportunity, amen, good growth opportunity. And I, used, I told you I used to do that with my adult Sunday school class, uh, and I would intentionally name people that had left the church, because we were terrible about just being hateful toward people who left the church. Mean, mean about them, you know. Gossip about them, backbite them, backstab them, you know. Uh, in the name of the Lord, apparently. And so um, I, I would on occasion just mention their name, you know. Oh, you remember so-and-so? I remember something they told me one time years ago. It was really helpful, you know. I would brag on that person that left the church. Uh, because you could just hear the... <laughs> rise up in the, in the sanctuary, right? Not in everybody's heart, but in some people's hearts, you know. Uh, and... and that was really the Spirit of God trying to help them to recognize 
they've got some purging to do, right? Because it wasn't the person uh, that left's fault that they're that way. It's their fault that they're that way, right? Uh, and so uh, a good opportunity to grow, right? Uh, and so now we can go back to, to chapter 6 of Ephesians there. And, um, oh yeah, here we go. So Ephesians chapter 6 then. Uh, so uh, we want to pray in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance, right? So sometimes prayer requires some doggedness on your part, right? stick to uh, persevere in supplication. And then Paul says, and for me. Uh, so, na- so now he's saying, pray in the Spirit in whatever way the Spirit of God is instructing you to pray, but also pray for me. Now, uh, do we know where Paul was when he wrote this book? He was in prison, right? Paul was in prison. So Paul said, pray for me. The utterance may be given unto me. Uh, now, this is the great apostle Paul. But he needs me to pray for him. Yeah, he asked you to pray for him, right? But Paul knew, you know, he wrote so much of the Bible. Yeah, he still needs you to pray for him. Well, he doesn't need my prayers. He needs your prayers, right? You reckon if Paul needs your prayers, you reckon your pastor needs your prayers? You know, he does, right? Not to speak about myself in a third person, but, um, but, he, but Paul asked that you would pray that he would have the ability to speak uh, the words that he to speak and that I may open my mouth boldly to make uh, utterance. Um, uh, let's see. For me, the utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth um, boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So Paul was asking um, to, uh, for you to pray for him so that he would speak boldly. So, so, first of all, to know what to speak, right? And secondly, to be able to speak that freely, right? With boldness. Um, and, you know, that's a valid prayer. That's a great pray, prayer to pray for your pastor and pray for other ministers. Uh, Lord, uh, let them know exactly what you want to say. And Lord, let them have the grace and the boldness to say that, right? Because, you know, sometimes you say things and 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 it's not the most popular thing ever ever said, right? You ever notice that, right? And so, <laughs> uh, uh, and, and you know, there, there is an occasion uh, when you're preaching. Anytime you're preaching, you know, uh, there is an occasion where somebody is not happy with what you're saying, right? And and as a minister, you know, if you're praying and and uh, ministering in the spirit, you can sense the resistance, right? You're praying, and, and all you see is heel marks, people, you know, dragging their feet, you know, trying to. Uh, stay up with you uh, and, and of course you all do great you know and, and uh, in fact Miss Marilyn when she left she said your, your church is always easy to, to preach at uh, and, and that's a good uh, a good compliment for you all because uh, you know generally speaking I don't I don't generally sense any hesitancy to speak what I believe I need to speak right on occasion you know people get upset at you but you know it's so rare and, and more often than not it's a visitor somebody doesn't know us around here and um you know, we'll make assumptions about things. And, uh, and so, uh, but, uh, you know, if Paul asked for us to pray for him to, to be able to speak what he needs to speak and speak uh, boldly and to make known the mystery of the gospel. So, you know, part of that is his calling, but, but uh, he's still requesting your prayers, right? So your prayers have an effect on Paul's ability to fulfill his call on, on his life. And, uh, you know, if that's true for Paul, then it's true for your pastor, too. Right. My my calling, although it's my calling, it still can be affected in a positive way by your prayers. When you pray for me, Uh, Lord, uh, give my pastor the words to speak. 
and, and Father, let him speak boldly, right? And let, let him reveal the mysteries of the gospel to me. Uh, that's a good pray, prayer to pray for your pastor, right? Uh, and he says, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So he's an ambassador. He's a representative of the Lord Jesus, right? So, so for, which, the, for which part there is for, uh, of the gospel. So he is an ambassador uh, of the gospel in bonds. Now, uh, he, was, he was in prison when he's writing this, right? Uh, and yet, um, he's still asking to speak boldly, right? Uh, in fact, he said that boldly in verse 19, he asked him to uh, uh, continue to pray for him that he would speak boldly. So he asks uh, for the boldness to speak boldly twice, right? Uh, and so, as I ought to speak. So, as I ought to speak, you know, of course, you can look at that in a couple different ways, but as I ought to speak is, um, he, ought, he ought to speak boldly, but also uh, how he speaks is both what he says, when he says it, how he says it, right? You, you ever been to a service and it seems like no matter what they say, you just seem like they're beating you up over the head, you know, just, oh, love God, right? I remember I was at church one time and, and the minister got up and said, well, you know, people don't go to hell because they don't go to church. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty true, right? You don't go to hell because you don't go to church. He said, people go to hell because they don't love God enough to go to church. <laughs> like, well, that doesn't even make any sense, right? I mean, just from a doctrinal standpoint, I, you know, uh, what does that even mean, right? Uh, and so, uh, but it just seemed like it was always getting beat up about everything. Uh, and so, uh, and, and that's, you know, that's a real, that's, uh, uh, if you want to get the most out of your pastor's ministering, then pray, Lord, let him speak as he ought to speak. So if it needs to be a little bit of correction, right, you know, you know it's okay, right? Because we talked about chastising not long ago. It's okay to be chastised on occasion at church as long as there's something beating you up. Y'all, sorry, no good, worthless people. What's wrong with you? Know? If you're on account, you know, you'd be way better than all you are right now, right? Now, you could preach like that, but then, you know, nobody would come back the next day, right? Or they shouldn't come back the next day. Uh, but, you know, you can still say, well, you know, here's what the verse says. You know, we should try to do this, shouldn't we? You, know, you could still say the same thing, right? Don't you want to do what the verse says? I mean, I want to do what the verse says. Uh, without getting beat up, you know, I can't believe you haven't done it yet. What's wrong with you all? You all are so far behind. It's embarrassing. Um, and so, uh, so how he speaks, how he ought to speak is important, right? Uh, the tone, the words, um, the timing, right? Because sometimes, you know, you can't preach something until it's the right time, right? In fact, I think on Sunday we're starting a new message and I've never preached it before. And I believe it's time to preach it. And so I'm not going to tell you what it is. You'll have to come here Sunday and find out. Uh, and so um, so uh, that's important, amen. So verses 19 and 20, you can use those. And I would, I would encourage you. In fact, I would ask you uh, uh, and, and beseech you as your pastor to pray this, these two verses for me specifically, right? I, I, would, uh, I would cherish for you to do that because... Uh, it's going it, to, you know, you can pray that in a very selfish way. Lord, I want the best out of him I can get. That's, that's selfish, not in a bad way, but, you know, it, it, that's what you want. You want me to help you the, the very best way that I can help you, right? Uh, and to not, not just my pet peeves, you know. Well, I, I just like preaching about end-time events. That's what I do, right? Well, that's great, but that's not helping people today, right? Uh, and so, uh, and then, he, then really the, the last few verses here, He's just closing out the, the book here. He said, uh, but that uh, but that you also may know my affairs and how I do. 
Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things. So he's sending a letter to the Ephesians, right? So he's not there. He's, he's at a, in a prison in Rome. And he's going to send him a letter uh, by a Tychicus fellow here. Uh, and so he says, Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that you may know our affairs that he might comfort your hearts. So he called him a faithful minister in the Lord. And, you know, uh, you think about Paul wrote this letter on a scroll, right? You know, some kind of a scroll, you know, leather or, you know, parchment of some kind. And wrote it on a rolled it up on a scroll, right? And then handed it to Tychicus and say, take this to the, the church at Ephesus. You reckon he knew how valuable that, that little piece of paper or, or leather was? How important the book of Ephesians would be to the church? You reckon he knew as he was carrying there at, you know, from Rome to Ephesus, which is, I don't know how far that is, but, you know, it's probably a couple hundred miles, I imagine. Uh, maybe not quite that far. Um, you reckon he knew how important that was? doesn't really matter. He was a faithful minister. So if he's faithful, you know, if it's just a, if it's a, a postcard, he's going to treat it with honor, right? So that's why he used this particular fellow. So uh, he's, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that you may know our affair, affairs and that you might comfort uh, your heart. So these people at Ephesus love Paul. If you go back to the book of, uh, of Acts and read when Paul visited them, and the last time he visited them, they were, they were in tears because he was leaving them, and they probably weren't going to see him again. So sometime after Paul had left the, the church at Ephesus for the last time on his way to Jerusalem, uh, they were there on the, on the shore uh, and in tears because they knew they wouldn't see Paul again. And so he wanted to, to encourage them, hey, I'm doing good, you know, by the way, I'm, I'm in jail, but, you know, I'm doing great, right? Now, I mean, he said that he's an ambassador in bonds, but that's about all we knew. If, we, if he didn't say that, we might not even know that from the whole book of Ephesians that he was in bonds, right? Uh, and even though he's the one in prison, he's the one with the Roman guard, and he's the one uh, that's, that's being constricted, he still, in verse 23, says, peace be to the brethren and love uh, with faith from God the Father and our, and our Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, this really shows, you know, it's not about me. You know, it, it's about you all. I want you all to be comforted. I want you to all be at peace. I want you to all be, uh, walk in love uh, from, the God, uh, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And, then, of course, he ends it as he did many, not all of his, all of his letters, but many of his letters, Grace be with them all that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. And so the very last word is for the whole book of Ephesians, right? Amen. Uh, so be it. Uh, and so everything in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, Paul has said, this is the way it needs to be. He just put a, a final stamp on that. And so be it. Uh, and so, uh, so that's the whole book of Ephesians, right? Uh, and... Um, it's been so long since we started. I think we can go back to verse 1 again and just start off the whole book again, right? But uh, we're not going to do that. Uh, but um, but the, the book of Ephesians as a whole is just a really solid book. Uh, it, it's only six chapters long, but it's a really solid book that has a lot of good foundational doctrine in it. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, but, we're, but that's the end of the book there. So we'll, we've got we to gotta start another book next week, right? And so... Um, uh, we took what, uh, I think my notes here, I started my notes on, on um, the book of Ephesians in August of 2016. So 
Now, I'll have to go back and look to see when we actually started preaching that, but I started the notes uh, five years ago, right? So uh, we ain't in a hurry to get anything done. Uh, you know, I like these little rabbit paths that we get to take. You know, we do these verse-by-verse studies, but we still go off and we may do a whole study on, on, um, on prayer, right? So uh, I think it's helpful to do those things uh, because it kind of sees the whole, you know, you bring in all the other uh, doctrine along with it, right? So you know, you're not just limited to the, to the uh, doctrine in that book. You, you get to find out because uh, the Lord himself as the, as the Spirit of God has intentionally uh, tied all these doctrines together, right? From all the 66 books in the Bible, so th- there's no book that stands all by itself that that, that doctrine is not found anywhere else. Uh, you may find one verse here or there that maybe it's the only time it's mentioned, but as a whole and as the main thrust of the book, uh, those doctrines are supported multiple times. Amen. Uh, and so why don't we pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for blessing us, for being good to us. And, Father, we thank you for the great gift uh, in the book of Ephesians that you provided for us as your church, Father, to study, to read, Father, to meditate upon. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And Lord, we, we ask you that the things that we've learned from this book will become part of our lives and not just knowledge, Father, but part of who we are, that we would become vessels unto honor, Father, meet for the Master's use and prepared unto every good work. And so, Father, we thank you for these things and we give you all the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God, that uh, end of an era right there, right? So end of an era, that means that a new era gets to begin. And so uh, one of them will get ready and receive this evening's offering. And um, the Lord is good, amen? Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared. And uh, we just thank the Lord for the opportunity to give um, and, and being good to us, amen? Uh, and so... Um, oh yeah, there's. Uh, uh, I didn't, uh, didn't even see some of those notes there. Some pretty good notes there, right? So and we have to go back and redo the whole book of Ephesians. Amen. So uh, we're not going to do that. Uh, uh, but um, just think, what's, uh, we've got to start a new new message on Sunday and a new message on Wednesday, right? So should be pretty exciting, right? So come back. A- amen. So y'all be blessed. Have a wonderful week, week in the Lord, and uh, we'll see you on Sunday.